God gives us these different dates, even though we're many, many are not Jewish in blood, we are Jewish in spirit, but because as Paul said, we who have received Christ have been grafted in to Israel and the covenant promise that God gave them, we also get to be a part of it now. Can I have an amen? amen. So you're all Jewish. You're, you're white Jewish and brown Jewish and black Jewish and Asian Jewish and, and all. And we're all becoming that one body getting ready for Jesus to rule and reign forever and ever and ever in Jerusalem. But until he does that, there is a teaching and there's an understanding both in Judaism and in Christianity that says maybe something is going to happen right before the Messiah comes. Now, the reason I say maybe, because we know the Bible says it will happen, but I say maybe because the wicked servant says the master delays his coming. I believe in all my heart that Jesus could come before I finish this message. Amen? But I hope he gives us a little bit of time because we, number one, we got a lot of work to do. We've got a whole world that needs to know about the goodness of, of, of God. But also, it's an exciting time. Doesn't matter what's happening out in the world. For you and I, who are children of God, this is the most exciting time in, in the history of the Bible. One of the great prophecies, and I'll probably read it on Wednesday, is the Bible says, in the very last moments of the last day, we know the last days began when Jesus came the first time. The last moments became real, real close when Israel became a nation. Because the Bible said only one generation, 1948, Israel became a nation. That generation will see the second coming of the Messiah. So when Jesus came the first time, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. God's going to pour out his spirit so if we were close 2,000 years ago, and now Israel has become a nation in 1948, and the Bible says that that generation, now what's a generation? A lot of people, nobody knows exactly what God means, but I think it's simple to say those who were born around 1948, those will see, we will see the coming of Jesus Christ to rule and reign in Jerusalem. I was born in 1950, so I'm not going to die before Jesus comes to rule and reign. So the closer we get, if God poured out his spirit in the, in the first church, we can only imagine what the scriptures mean when it says the latter rain is going to be greater than the former. We're not going home with a moan. We're going out with a shout. Can I have an amen? Now, one of the keys to that is the miracle power of God in every area, but that also includes in the area of finances. The Bible says when the Lord comes back, he's coming for a glorious bride without spot or without wrinkle, no sickness, no disease. He's coming back for a bride that is the lender and not the borrower. He's coming back for a bride that is having the tremendous outpouring, financial outpouring. That's why I know it's not a coincidence that during these high holidays, we see the physical world seeing a transfer of wealth and everything God does in the physical, he's going to do in the spiritual, which is you and I. Can I have an amen? 
the key is understanding the Word of God. This is why the Lord's bringing us back to our Jewish roots. Now, let me say this, because somebody asked me this on Wednesday, and I thought it was a great question. People ask, are we, because we study this, are we what, what uh, the world or the church world or the Jewish world would call Messianic Christians? No, we're not Messianic. Because really, to be Messianic, you're, 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 you should really be a blood Jew, not a spiritual Jew. But, and, but there's other reasons. People ask, are you, Pastor Larry, is your church Messianic? No, we're not Messianic. Well, what are you? We're believers in Jesus and believers of the Word of God that no denomination can change. And the, we're, I believe we're one of the fulfillments of Scripture where the Bible says in the very last moments, the very last ticking of the clock, there will be a group of Gentiles that their eyes will be open. And they will say, the Gentiles who believe in the Messiah, they will say, you know what, we've inherited useless and unprofitable teachings from our denominations. I don't know if you remember when I read that prophecy of Rabbi Schneerson, that great, great rabbi, and he said to 10,000 Jews, well, millions of Jews, he said, the Messiah is ready to come, but first he's going to raise up some Gentiles that will begin to understand Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Feast of Tabernacles. And the Jewish people who have left God will say, why are you doing what God told us to do? And we'll say, because we've been grafted in. But then the supernatural power of God will fall on these unique Gentiles. And the miracles will be so great that Jews will see that God is blessing them because they, they, they understand the, the miracle power of the Feast of Tabernacles. And because of the miracles on these Gentiles, which is you and I and you who's watching by television, they will run back to God. And when the Jews and the Gentiles come together to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with Jesus the chief cornerstone, then that will prepare the world and Jesus will come and rule and reign forever. You and I are the fulfillment of the last ticks on the clock. And today's message, today's teaching is going to get us that much closer to that end time transfer of wealth. How many are ready? Now this is right now, what we're in right now on the biblical calendar is called the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 16. Don't turn there. Deuteronomy 16, 16. And it says, God says, three times a year, I want my people to gather together. So three times a year, there was to be a pilgrimage, physical and spiritual journey to the temple in Israel. Well, we can't go there physically because there is no temple. There is no tabernacle. But we can go there spiritually, and once we go there spiritually, God will do it for us physically. So God says three times a year, you're to come before the Lord and not come before the Lord empty-handed. The first time of the year is Passover. That's why we do a big Passover dinner and understand what Jesus was doing when he says, this is my blood and this, is the, this, this bread is my body. The other one is Pentecost. Then the third one is what we're in right now, literally, physically right now. It is the seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, this, this holy time, this very special appointed time is called by three different names. Number one, it's the Feast of Tabernacles because it's to remind all of God's children of when Israel came out of Egypt. And even though they were in the desert, in the wilderness, 
God supernaturally provided for them. For 40 years, their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. God brought food from heaven, water out of a rock. And so God is saying, remember, if you serve me, no matter what, you may be in this world, in this wilderness, but you are not limited to this world, and I will be your supernatural provider and protector. Can I have an amen? The second name for it is the Feast of Ingathering. Because this is the time. This is, this is on, on the world's calendar, the fiscal new year. On the Hebrew calendar, it's the physical new year. Passover is the spiritual new year. Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Ingathering, is the physical new year. This is when God, for the most part, is ready to release your financial blessing for the whole rest of the year. How many are ready? The third one is called the Feast of Nations. Why the Feast of Nations? And, and there's no time way to teach all this because this blessing of supernatural provision, this blessing of supernatural protection, this blessing of, of supernatural harvest is not just for the Jewish people of Israel, but for everyone, all the nations who will worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's why when Jesus was born, not in December, but during the Feast of Tabernacles, but when the, when the shepherds saw it, they said, be of joy unto the nations. And so the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel, Jesus came to bring all the people so that we could be one people worshiping the true and living God and living under his blessing. Can I have an amen? Amen. Did I have you open your Bibles yet? Open your Bibles to the book of John, and we'll start with verse 2. Now, the Jewish feast of tabernacles was at hand. Jump down to verse 8. Jesus said, you shall go up to this feast, and I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. When he had said these things, he remained in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it was in secret. Down to verse 37, just for the sake of time. And on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now we see that Jesus, just like all the other feasts, Passover, um, feast of, of, of uh, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of, of Sukkot. All, of, all the feasts that God commanded the people to do, Jesus himself did it. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, I didn't come to do away with the Torah, the teachings of God, but I came to show you how to walk on them so that blessing can come on all of you and every nation. So we see Jesus came to the Feast of Tabernacles because it was commanded. Three times a year you come before the Lord, and those three times you do not come empty-handed. Now just to sidetrack a little bit, this is Malachi 3 that every preacher preaches, but very few of us understand until these last days. When when the Lord says to the Jewish people, return unto me and I'll return unto you. 
They said, how do we return? He says, you know, tithes, that's your tithe. That's what Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is all about. Stop robbing God, stop gossiping and stop harming your neighbor. And your offering besides, those offerings is three times a year, Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Tabernacles, those three times a year, you come before the Lord, you sow that seed, that seed will not come back without it multiplying, and that seed will reproduce exactly what my word says. And in this time, during this season, it is a seed that produces not just a miracle, but literally the miracles of whatever you want, the miracles of your choice. Can I have an amen? All right, now let me show you what happens. So Jesus is there on the Feast of the Tabernacles, but the Bible says that on the last day, now in Hebrew, that last day of the Feast of Tabernacles is what we're studying today. This day that we're teaching right now is the great Hosanna. This is the, this is the, the, the cherry on the cake. This is, this is the, the, the cream of the crop. Right now, what Jesus is saying when he was there, this is the greatest day of joy in the body of Christ and in the people of God. Now, let me tell you, let me just show you what happened. On this day, all of God's people are commanded to come to, the, to, to Israel to worship God. On this day, for seven, for seven days up to this, the priest would minister at the altar. He would bring the sacrifice. He would bring the wine. He would bring the water. But each one of these was done individually. They were done separately. But on the seventh day, everything was combined and all of God's sacrifices were done at the same time. The high priest would have been for seven days ministering in the temple exactly according to the word of God. And all of the children of God would have been standing outside of the temple watching. But on this day, something different happened. All of the sacrifice and all of the blessings were now combined. The high priest would have one of of the priests with the shofar come to the corner of the temple and blow the shofar to let everybody know the great Hosanna is about to start. Now, at this time, millions of Jews would come running to the steps of the temple and into the inner room shouting and praising. They would begin to shout, save us now, save us now, save us now, Hosanna now, bring us the answer to every area of our life right now. Now, when the blast came, all the people would come running, literally millions of people, because they've come from all over the world, because this is a day of great celebration. From Yom, Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, it's a solemn time. From Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, the, the trumpet has been blown 40 times. It's sound the alarm in Zion, Zion. Sound the alarm from the holy city. And the people are being reminded, start treating your neighbor right. Love God and love your neighbor. Stop gossiping. Stop backbiting. Stop unforgiving. Stop robbing God. And so for 40 days, people have been getting right with God. We're all right with God now, right? Then they hear this trumpet 
after seven days, and they begin to shout and dance and sing. You know, God's people are allowed to dance. A Jewish friend of mine said, the devil invented American Christianity to take all the joy out of knowing God. God's people are to be the happiest people on the planet. Amen. So when the trumpet sounds and all the pe- millions of people rush into the, into the courtyard and on the steps and all the women are in the women's court, then the high priest sends two of his priests, with one with a golden pitcher, go stand down there, and one with a silver pitcher to go to the pool of Siloam. As they go to the pool of Siloam, he then sends a group of other priests somewhere between 50 and 150 priests. And they would go to, to out the northeast gate, and they would go to a valley there, Kindron Valley, where a creek runs through. And there they would gather willow branches. And, and in, in Texas, we're a little limited in how big our willow branches can be. But these willow branches would be something like 25 feet long. And picture 50 or 150 priests with thousands and thousands of people following them, many of them with their own willow branches. So these two priests are at the Pool of Siloam. These these priests are in the Kindron Valley with willows. And as they're, they're there, the message comes to the high priest, they're ready. They're going to bring the willow. They're going to bring the water. They're going to bring the wine. And the sacrifice is already on the altar. So then the priest with the shofar would come to the water gate, and he would do three blasts to let these priests know the high priest is ready for their sacrifice. When they hear that, the people begin to shout. Many of them are following the priest with the willow branches. Many of them are following the priest with the wine or priest with the water. These priests, picture 150 priests, 25-foot willow branches, and they're making the sound of wind. And what this says to God's people is on this day, God, now we know on Pentecost, God fills us with his spirit. But on this day, God will not only, God will combine his spirit, his wisdom with his heart. Now watch this. Let me say it again. Many of us have the Holy Spirit that will lead us and guide us and teach us. Why aren't we getting the business ideas and the revelation ideas? Because on this day, God, in, God combines his wisdom with his heart. It does us no good to be millionaires if we don't have the heart of God. It does us no good to have revelation if we're not having the revelation as a shepherd caring for the sheep. This is why the wisdom, let's just take the priesthood, the wisdom has been held back. Why? Because we've kind of turned it around. We've got shepherds, we got sheep serving shepherds instead of shepherds serving sheep. When we get the heart of God, he will add to the Holy Spirit his heart, and then we will know all things and see all things the way God sees them, that we're in this for God. God will make you rich 
If you don't forget, it's the Lord, your God, who gives you the power to gain what somebody say, man. So watch this blow three, three trump blasts again. All the people begin to shout. Here comes the priest from the Kindron Valley saying the God is going to breathe his breath in us. The priest from the, from the pool of Siloam, they come up and they all meet at the gate. Them at the water gate, stay right there. These guys at the northeast gate. And, and as they come together, the priest at the water gate gives a signal, and there is another priest who plays a flute. This flute, when they hear the flute, it signals for these priests and these priests to come and meet the high priest to combine the sacrifice. This priest who plays the flute is representing the Messiah. And this priest in Hebrew is called the pierced one. Somebody say, oh. So here, the pierced one begins to play the flute. And what he's saying is, when I come, I will combine my spirit, my salvation, and my wisdom on the children who will see the Messiah rule and reign in Jerusalem. So, the the the. the, the pierced one, the the priest who represents the Messiah, begins to play. These priests follow him in. The high priest walks up to the altar. Those with the willows lay the willows. Now, like I said, these are kind of weak willows, but they're the best we could do in Dallas. They lay the willows over the altar of God, representing the sukkah, or representing the marriage canopy. Because when we mix all of God's sacrifice together, the Messiah becomes our bridegroom and we become his bride. Are you with me? So they bring, they bring the, the, the water and they bring the wine. Now remember that the whole time before they would give blood sacrifice, then it would be finished. They would bring wine sacrifice, then it would be finished. They would bring water sacrifice and then it'd be finished. But only on the seventh day, the day of the great Hosanna, would they bring all of them when the altar is covered, symbolizing that God is about, that someday the Messiah will become the bridegroom of the children of God. Picture millions of people pressing in as close as they can get to the Holy of Holies. Millions of people, thousands deep, obviously they can't see. They've heard the, 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 the alarm. They all come running out of their Sukkot, out of their, out of their tabernacles that they're commanded to build, which is what Jesus was born in. This word Sukkot in Hebrew is the same word for stable or manger. Amen. Why? Because God has come to tabernacle amongst us. So they hear it. They all come running. It's about, it's the great Hosanna. It's about, God's about to release his blessing. Now remember, all of this is a rehearsal. That's what the word holy convocation means. It's a rehearsal. 
it's a, re, it's a shadow of the real thing that's about to happen. Even though the real thing isn't come yet, that shadow was still a shadow of the real thing. Are you with me? Someday we're going to hear that trump. And he will tabernacle with us in the new Jerusalem forever and ever and ever and ever. Can I have an amen? Now watch this. So then they hear the three blasts. People are lined up thousands deep. They hear the three blasts. They know here comes the water. Here comes the wine. Here comes the breath of God, the Holy Spirit of God, which is going to symbolize that our Messiah will be married to us and let no man, no man will ever be able to put asunder. At the same time, over in the women's court, four candelabras are lit 75 feet high. Each candelabra has four branches on it. So picture, I don't know how I'm going to get 75-foot flames in the, in, in the building next year, but we're renting, so who cares? <laughs> just joking, Jan. Just, just joking. Four 75-foot candelabras. Each candelabra has four branches, 16 flames coming out 75 feet high. Each branch has a ladder up it where young men carry 10 gallons of oil. But watch this. Those wicks, and and, and, and the the, the Talmud teaching is, is when these things were burning, no one in that whole town of Jerusalem was able to be in darkness. It lit up every nook and every cranny and every porch. It was so bright. That God was saying, no matter how dark your home is, the light of God is going to penetrate it. Now watch this. Those 75 feet high, four on each one, four of them, 16 huge burning candles. The wicks that these candelabras were made out of, the high priests, or all the priests... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them have been ministering in the temple for seven days. Every day after the sacrifice and after the the, the ministry, they would remove their garments and give them to the women. These women would take seven days of these, these garments, which are called swaddling clothes, If you remember, John the Baptist's father, who was Jesus' uncle, was a priest in the temple. So when he was finished, he would take his garments and give them to the women. One of the women that he gave his garment to was called Mary, and Mary wrapped her baby in swaddling cloth, saying to the world, we have a new high priest forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And the truth we understand will set us free. Amen? So, so you, have, you have the trumpetist sound three times. The, the priest coming in with thousands of people. Here, here, 150 swishing branches 
saying that the breath of God is going to fill his people with not only wisdom, but a heart of God. And when we combine these two, then we will become the children of miracles. That when this happens, the Messiah will become our bridegroom and no one will ever be able to separate us from his love, his provision, his protection. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The women are lighting the lights that all the nation can see. That there's no darkness that can hide from the light of God burning from the swaddling clothes saying, and then at the same time on the first day Jesus was born in that tabernacle wrapped in swaddling clothes saying to the world there may be a temporary priest in the temple but there is one coming 33 years from now who will rip that tabernacle wide open and will give access to all the world to the holy of holies and the power of God somebody ought to shout amen take a moment and give him praise amen Picture, picture people for blocks and blocks and blocks. They can't see what's going on. They can hear the, they heard the alarm. They all come running. First come, first serve. The latter, the last ones who are way out there, they come in late. They're thousands deep and they're all hearing what's going on. They're saying, what's going on? What's happening? Then all of a sudden they hear the three blasts. And they begin to shout, Hosanna, save us now. Not in, not in mercy because our names have already been written, but save us from our enemy. Save us from sickness. Save us from debt. Save us from persecution. Save us from illness. Save us from, from whatever would come to block the great Hosanna. And so not in desperation, but in victory. They're saying, our salvation is now. Our salvation is now. The high priest is only seen by a few because of the crowd. And so the people begin to shout out in unison, Is it finished yet? Is it finished yet? Because they know that when God adds the blood and the wine and the water to the sacrifice, that God releases an anointing for the whole year that will cover them and protect them and bless them. This is why God says in Malachi, return unto me and I'll return unto you. How? You know three times a year I will be Jehovah Jireh. I will be Jehovah Sitkanu. I will be Jehovah Mekadesh and no man can divide you from me. Now watch this. So they're out shouting to each other, is it finished yet? Is it finished yet? And so they begin to shout out in unison, raise your hands when it's finished. Raise your hands when it's finished. And the people would hear, the priest has got the water in his hand. The priest has got the wine in his hand. And the people would begin to shout, we thirst, we thirst. We thirst for the things of God. We thirst for the presence of God. Forgive us for our sin, Lord. We thirst for the anointing of God. Raise your hands when it is finished. And the priest would take the water and he would take the wine and pour it and mix it in with the blood. 
And when he mixed the sacrifice with the water of salvation and the blood of the covenant promises of God, he would lift up his hands and he would shout to the world, It is finished! Oh, somebody give him praise. Come on, somebody give him praise. But while this was happening, there was a new baby born in a Sukkot. And he was wrapped in swaddling clothes because he was chosen by God to be our bridegroom so we could be his bride. He didn't have willows over him, but he was nailed to a tree. His hands said to the world, it's almost done. When he spread his hands and lifted them up, he said, I am the light of the world. When they shouted, we thirst, we thirst. And they poured the water and the wine on the sacrifice. And the high priest said, it's finished. Jesus shouted out on that last great Hosea day. I am the light of the world. And if any man thirsts, let him come to me. You may drink of this water, but you'll thirst again. But when you drink of my water, out of you shall flow rivers of living water. He is the great Hosanna. When they took our great and high priest and they nailed him to a tree... They shoved a spear in his side, and out of that womb came blood and water. And on the sacrifice, Jesus said, look at your scripture, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Jesus said, I thirst. You know, that's one thing that has always confused me. Because Jesus said one time, I thirst, and they offered him something, but he refused it. But at the very end, it says, Jesus said, I thirst so the scriptures may be fulfilled. But there's not one scripture that tells us why Jesus said it, unless you go back to the Torah, unless you go back to the Old Testament. Listen to this. Psalms 22 concerning the Messiah says, my strength has dried up and my tongue clings to the roof of my mouth. Jesus has been on that cross for six hours. He's been beaten and tortured. He's bleeding. His strength is gone. And his tongue, the scripture said, prophesied that his tongue would be stuck to the roof of his mouth. And he said, I thirst. And they dipped vinegar or old wine on a sponge, on a hyssop, and reached up, and Jesus took some of it. Why did he take it, not take it the first time, but take it the second time? Because his tongue was stuck to the roof of his mouth, and he couldn't speak, I thirst. But when he took that, it loosens his tongue, and not with a whisper of defeat, But with a shout of triumph, just like on the Feast of Tabernacle, that all the nations could hear. When he sipped, his tongue came unstuck, and he shouts with a voice of victory, It is finished! Somebody give him praise. (laughs) 
But I believe in all my heart more than he needed it to loosen his tongue. It wasn't a physical thirst. It was a spiritual thirst. We've got to remember that this sacrifice and the Passover sacrifice is not just any man, but he is the son of the living God. He is Jesus who has never been without the presence of the Father, who has never known one second without living in the Shekinah glory, without living in the manifestation of the love of the Father. But on this day, when they pierced his side, and out came the blood and the water, and he was that living sacrifice, he took my sin, and he took your sin. And for the first time in history, God the Father turned his back on his son so he could find me in my drug addiction he could find you in your problem he could find all of us in our sin and jesus wasn't so physically thirsty but as the people on the feast of tabernacle who had repented said we thirst for the things of god we thirst for the presence of god jesus who for the first time in all of eternity for that one moment was not in the presence of God because he became my sin and he became your sin and the father turned from him. Jesus cried out, Eli, Eli, my God, my God, lama sabachthani, why have you forsaken me? And for that moment when the water and the blood and the sacrifice were mixed, God turned his back on Jesus, forsook Jesus so he could find you and I and he would tabernacle with us forever and ever and ever. Somebody shout amen. Whether you believe it or not, it even gets better. You know, as I was up in my office and I was studying and I was praying about this service and about how wonderful it is that we're to do this to remember. Why? Because God so wants to bless us. He don't want to catch us in sin. He wants to bless us in obedience. Three times a year, come before me and don't come empty-handed. Read with me Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 16. It says, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the feast of unleavened bread, at the feast of weeks, and the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. Now, what this is telling us is what we're going to do today, but you need to hear this. That three times a year, Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Tabernacles, we bring an offering. On the Feast of Tabernacles, it literally tells us to we are to bring the very best offering we could ever bring. The Talmud says to bring something very costly and give it back to God. Now, why, does, why do the rabbis and why does God's teaching emphasize that? Number one is so that we can remember... Our sacrifice to him is so small compared to his sacrifice to us. Can I have an amen? Amen. So we're to bring something that is very costly to remember what it cost the Father to give us this blessing. But it doesn't just say to bring something very costly. It says, and give it back to God. Because this is to remind us, now you need to listen to me very carefully, that all we have... But even more important, 
All that we're going to get has come from God. We know the scripture said that God has anointed us to be kings and priests. Now we're all both. But in reality, unless you're full-time ministry, your anointing is not to be the priest. Your anointing is to be the king. The priest, now listen very carefully because this is amazing. My anointing is to get, if, if I have the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of God, and the Holy Spirit, the heart of God, God will give me revelation out of his word to feed his sheep. If not, I just keep, it's just, it's just refried beans all the time. I must have God's anointing to get any revelation. Can I have an amen? But just as I can call on God for my anointing to be priest, you can call on God for your anointing to be a king. Now let me say it simply, because you need to hear what I'm about to teach you. The priests get the vision. The kings bring the provision. Simply put, I do the spiritual, you get the financial. I get the spiritual, you get the financial. The priests get the vision. The kings get the anointing to make money. Everybody wants that anointing, give the Lord a clap offering. Passover is the beginning of the spiritual year. Feast of Tabernacles is the beginning of the financial year. And the rabbi is saying that this entire year will flow with God's unlimited blessing and unlimited happiness. Now listen to this. And it will be so great. This is Deuteronomy 8. That when it's so great, do not forget. See, most people serve God when they're in need. This is, a, this is a warning of triumph. God is about to defeat every enemy. God is going to cancel every debt. God is going to turn the wealth of the wicked into the hands of the... Come on, somebody needs to say amen. But he has the kings... Come and read to the people. Why? Because when we're in trouble, oh, God help me. But God is saying the trouble is ending. But I know whether or not you'll have the mind of God and the heart of God. I know whether when you have no more needs and have no more bills, you'll forget the Lord that it's him who gives you power to gain wealth. So only this will not happen again if the Lord tarries for eight years. So the kings who are anointed to make money are called to read to the people to remind them, I am about to open you up the windows of heaven. Don't forget to serve me. If you won't forget to serve God, give the Lord a clap offering. These are the scriptures that, that the kings are told to read to the people. First one is Deuteronomy eleven seven through 9. 
but your eyes have seen all the great acts of the Lord, which he did. Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land. Whether you go in, whether you go to possess it, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed, a land that floweth with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it is not as the land of Egypt from whence you came out, where thou sowest thy seed and waterest it will thy foot as a garden of herbs. But the land whether you go to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven, a land which the Lord thy God cares for. The eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year until even until the end of the year. Amen. Come and read Deuteronomy eleven thirteen. Now, if you remember, if you look at these, every one of these is saying, look what I'm going to do. Don't, look at me, don't get so blessed that you're working on Sunday. How many people start getting blessed and you don't see them? Well, I got to go to a conference. I got to go to this. We're not talking about, but this is, this is it, guys. This is the beginning. This will not be read again for eight more years. So how many say, I'm not going to miss any of this? All right. Read uh, Deuteronomy 11, 13 through 21. So if you are faithful, obey the commands of the, uh, that I am giving you today to love the Lord your God. And to, and to, and to um, serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will send rain on your land in, the, in its season, mm. both autumn and mm. spring rains, mm. so that you may gather to your grain new wines and olive oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. Be careful, or you will be enticed to turn away from the, and worship other gods, and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut the heavens so that it will not be rain and the grass ground will yield no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. uh, Fix these words of mine in your heads and minds and have them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you're at mm. home mm. and when you walk along the road, when you, are, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on door frames in your houses and in your, on your gates so that their days and the days of your children may be many and the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors as many as the days at the heavens or above the earth. Mm, Somebody give the Lord a clap offering. Read Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 27. You shall surely tithe all the produce from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. And you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where he chooses to establish his name. The tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil... And the firstborn of your herd and your flock, in order that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the distance is so great that you are not able to bring the tithe, since the place where the Lord your God chooses 
to set his name is too far away from you when the Lord your God blesses you, then you shall exchange it for money and bind the money in your hand and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. And you shall spend the money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink or whatever your heart desires. And there you shall eat in the presence of the Lord and rejoice you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is in your town, for he has no portion or inheritance among you. Your harvest is going to be so great you won't be able to carry it. Oh, come on. I need an amen. And, and then he says, if you didn't, and, and I'm not saying this for, for uh, verse 27, you shall not forget the Levite who is in your gates, for he has no part of the inheritance with you. The Levite is the, the, the priest, the pastor. But he's saying this because God spoke to me. I almost left the ministry because I wanted to go out and make money. And God said to me, God told Tiz and I, and I mean, put us through something. God said, you are not to leave the, my anointing on you is to be a priest. My anointing on them is to be the king. Now that doesn't mean I'm supposed to be poor. It just means if I'll spend my time serving God, he'll anoint me with the revelation of the word of God. If you'll spend serving God, he'll anoint you to make lots of money. Deuteronomy 26, 12 through 15, right? When you have finished laying aside all the tithes of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widows, so they may eat within the gates and be filled, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house, and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, according to all the commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when, it, when, it, when in mourning, nor have I removed of it for unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your, from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people, Israel, and the land which you have given us, just as you swore to your fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. Amen. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 6. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And the blessing shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. How many are ready to be blessed going out? And Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Come on. The rabbis say... This year, every person shall see himself as if it is from God's own mouth to your ears that you are hearing these words. Now, let me say that again. 
This is the rabbinical statements that are being prophesied right now today. Now, let, let, me, let me take them all. I got one more thing to teach you. Can you handle this? We are right now. Today, we're receiving our offering. And they didn't do it all in one day. Because, well, that's why seven days. There's too much. There's too much offering coming in. You can't, you can't get millions of people through the tabernacle. So it doesn't matter if we're doing it today or Tuesday. But God says, God is saying here, this is the year of gathering the priests. It is the end of trials. It is the end of needing a miracle. You will walk in victory without even trying. Every person shall see himself from these scriptures. I will bless you. Now it shall come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you this day, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall the fruit of your body. Your children are going to get saved and serve God. Blessed be the produce of your ground. Blessed be the increase of your herds. Blessed be the increase of your cattle. Blessed be the offering of your flocks. Blessed shall your baskets be. Blessed shall your kneading bowl be. Blessed shall you be when you come in. And blessed shall you be when you go out. Somebody's going to get blessed. It might as well be you. Let me give, can I give you a little bit more? At this very end of the Feast of Tabernacles is called in Hebrew, Or Makif. The word Or Makif means the, the surrounding of divine light. The, the encircling of divine energy. I'm going to take it a little deeper, just five minutes, okay? Here we have Rosh Hashanah. God blows the trumpet. Here we have Yom Kippur. God says, I want to put your name in my book of blessing. With everything that's happening prophetically, this outpouring, this gushing of any miracle, but especially financial miracle, will be so great, I've been preparing you for seven years for this. This last year has been hard on many of you. Because I want you to remember, even though you went through the wilderness, I kept you alive. I kept you provided. I kept you protected. It hasn't been an easy... How many can say, Pastor, this last year has not been an easy journey in many ways? Why? Because the rabbis say God is saying that now, right now today, begins the latter rain, begins the outpouring. I had to, I had to get you to the point that you would not only add to yourself, 
the Holy Spirit in wisdom, but you would get a heart of God. You would remember what it's like to be in need. So that your blessing is going to be so big, it'll be good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. This is the beginning of the latter rain. <laughs>